Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Pleasure to be here today with Dr. Liz Shane, who is a student at Yeshivat Maharat in Riverdale and discusses in her doctorate um, some relationships between technology and Torah. And so um, uh, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Thanks for taking time to talk. Thank you for having me. This is, this is really exciting. Thank you. So to start off, um, I, I, I think a lot of us are thinking about Shabbat and with all these technological advancements, um, what's still within the the boundaries of, of permission. So maybe you can flesh this out a little bit for us. Um, what are some of the religious Jewish challenges that emerge with Shabbat in relationship to some of the new technological advancements we see today? Sure. So one of the things that's become really interesting and sometimes a problem is the way in which technology just kind of permeates our lives yeah. in a way that it didn't used to. Um, that it used to be that you would either be doing something or you weren't. You would be kneading bread and baking it or you wouldn't be. But these days you could pour your um, flour and your water into your bread machine, put it on a timer and have it bake your bread for you on Shabbat. And we don't really have a good sense of what that constitutes. Does that constitute uh, forbidden actions that we're not supposed to be doing on Shabbat? Or is that something different? Is that something else because we're not doing it. So there's something amazing that's happened where we've managed to take our actions and kind of divorce them from our bodies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of spooky action at a distance going on these days. And that has a lot of questions for Shabbat of how we're supposed to handle that. Um, These days, people put lights on a timer all the time. So if you want to have your lights go off at 10 p.m. before you go to bed or in my house, 12 p.m. because Mm -hmm. people stay up reading, Mm -hmm. then you can do that, but how does that extend further out? How would that work, for example, with sort of smart devices in the home? Can you tell them to tell you the weather at eight in the morning on Shabbat morning? Mm-hmm. Can you set a timer so that they tell you the weather? And how are those two things different? Because mm-hmm. the result is the same, but in one of them you're acting before Shabbat, right. in one of them you're acting after Shabbat. So there's a lot of interesting and intricate questions that come up. Yeah, we've come a long way. I think back to like 20 years ago where the only two questions I remember, I'm sure there were many more, was the timer and those who loved football. And like, can I leave my TV on on silence with a sheet over it and lift it up for the... It was like, that was like... And now there's like thousands of questions. Yeah. So I wonder like, if it's complicated, why not just say usher? Why not just say forbidden? Like, don't do anything. You know, like what sort of gained and lost... What's gained and lo- or lost in, you know, through, through all that engagement? So there are a few answers to that question. And one of them is sort of my personal itch, which is that I want to know the answer. It's not just enough to say, well, we can be cautious. But this strikes me as a question that actually has an answer. And once there's an answer, I want to know what it is. 
And also having said that, there are cases where it might actually be really important to know the difference between whether something is okay or not. There might be cases that where it's not necessarily a medical emergency, but where it would make life much easier to care for someone who's not feeling well if you could, for example, tell Alexa to put on soothing music. And to know that that is different than hitting play mm -hmm. yourself, maybe that rises to a lower level of prohibition. So maybe it might be okay if someone's really not feeling well. That might actually make a difference. There might be things that we can do or that we can do under certain circumstances that will make people's lives better if we understand the laws properly. But if we don't understand them, if we just sort of shove everything down into one big pile and call it usser, then not only do, are we sort of not appreciating the nuances mm -hmm. of the law, which is also something that's very important to me, mm -hmm. we're actually making it harder for people to follow Shabbat properly because they won't know when something is okay, maybe if it's necessary, versus absolutely not okay under any circumstances short of life-threatening. So if we don't help people understand those distinctions, they won't be able to make good choices right. and like we really do want people to be able to keep Shabbat to the best of their ability. Yeah, that's a great point. So can you give a brief overview, and I could talk about this for hours, of the halakhic conceptual framework or the philosophical framework for how we relate to electricity? Like why, for someone who's not exposed, like why would electricity be a problem at all? If it didn't exist in the past and it wasn't, so it obviously wasn't prohibited, what's the halakhic framework for how it would conceptually be a part of something not permitted? Sure. So when... When electricity became something that was more than sort of lightning strikes and Ben Franklin and his key, mm -hmm. the rabbis were really struck. And part of why they, I think, were struggling with it was because most of what early electricity was used for was things that were very clearly forbidden for Shabbat. Electricity was basically linked to the incandescent light bulb, so it was very clearly heating metal, which is part of starting a fire, and you cannot start a fire on Shabbat. Or it was sort of linked to... Um, this is a little further on, but cars and combustion engine, which is also fire. So the fact that electricity and fire were so quickly and inextricably linked means that a lot of rabbis ended up seeing electricity not as related to fire, but as fire itself. And that meant that they treated it as um, laying a fire, which is one of the 39 things that the Torah forbids on Shabbat. So starting with that framework, um, you have to start to unpack what different rabbis have said. Um, the... Rabbi who, whose work on this is, at least to me, well, most well-known, is Rosh Shlomo Zalman Arbach. He goes through everyone's argument against turning on, basically flipping a switch that, that um, links an electric current that causes something to happen, and talks about why it's not any of the malachas, of the forbidden acts that one might do on Shabbat. So he talks about why it's not actually fire or sparks, or bona, which means building. So he says sort of calling flicking a switch building is like closing is like calling closing a door building a house. That's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. um, and he basically ends though saying it's forbidden on Shabbat because electricity is something that belongs on the weekday. So mm -hmm. there's this additional category of things that are not um, forbidden from the Torah because there are these forbidden acts but they're forbidden because they're not appropriate for Shabbat. Mm -hmm. So he says that um, electricity falls into this category, and that's basically where we've stayed until now. 
what's happening now is that electricity is becoming so pervasive that mm -hmm. it's getting really hard to say that it's limited to Shabbat. And also the way that people are using electric devices, they're setting timers, they're having lights go on and off on Shabbat. So it's not as though electricity is completely vanished from Shabbat. It's that our interactions with it don't happen on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a big part of the shift, so that because electric changes go on in our house all the time on Shabbat, because we have thermostats, those thermostats monitor the temperature level in our house. When everyone leaves, the thermostat isn't working as hard. When 15 Shabbat guests come in and start eating dinner or start eating lunch and there's a giant pot of tulans on the table, the thermostat's going to respond to that. Mm -hmm. So our electricity is kind of all around us. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a point that there's a rabbi in Israel, Rabbi Nachum Rabinovich makes, that we're going to have to learn to live with electricity on Shabbat, so we have to start now. So like, what's an example of, of where he's kind of a das yachid, where he kind of is a minority view, um, you know, where he's charting a new path? Sure, so he says that if you are in a hotel and the hotel doesn't have metal keys but only uses key cards, you can use the key card on Shabbat. You just put it in the door like you normally would and open the door because he says it's not forbidden to open a door on Shabbat. You can walk out your front door anytime. This is no different. You can use electricity to do something that isn't itself forbidden on Shabbat. Yeah. So the electricity isn't the problem. It's what the electricity is mm -hmm. used to mm -hmm. do. That's how he settles it. Um, Rabbi Linzer, who is the Rosh Yeshiva at Yeshiva Chovavei Torah, and also sort of the teacher of my teachers, and that's also my teacher, says the same thing, but he suggests um, covering the lights so that you can't see them turn on, because that also protects the feel of Shabbat, what I was talking about earlier, where it doesn't feel, something that doesn't feel appropriate for Shabbat, it's not Shabbistic, to use the technical term, <laughs> then hiding the fact that the light is going on and off makes it feel more like Shabbat because you don't see that your actions have even the consequences of causing an LED to lighten. And that, because LED has no um, heat or, um, or fire involved, might not actually be a problem for Shabbat. But also, because we know and because we've lived for the last 100 years with the idea that um, turning lights on and off by yourself on Shabbat is not Shabbistic, we don't do it. So there's this real tension between what Shabbat feels like and what we should or should not allow based on what the law seems to do. Okay, so picking up on that last point, so there are issues where those of us who have been immersed in the world of learning know, okay, you can make a pretty decent case that that's permitted, but it's really would destroy Shabbat if it became pervasive or it's not in the spirit of Shabbat at least. Who do you think should make that call? Do you think we should teach what the halacha is and allow lay people to kind of navigate that question? Or do you think we should set communal standards, you know, those of us who work in the rabbinical world? I think, I think that that is a very tough question. So thank you so much for throwing it at me. <laughs> in some ways, I almost want to say that that's, that itself is even going to depend individually. I think there's a really strong case to be made for communal standards. And the way that Judaism is not just yeah. practiced by individuals. Right. It's something that we do as a kahal, as a right. community. Mm -hmm. And so being comfortable in one another's homes mm -hmm. on Shabbat because of what people are doing feels like something that's really important and powerful and worth attending to. And also this question of rabbinic authority, of who gets to stand up and say, all right, this is okay, this is not. I mean, right. Maimonides right. did this. 800 years, 900 years ago, but he was Maimonides. He could get away with it. Um, the rest of us, not so much. Yeah. So, but this has happened in the past of people looking at something and saying, this is not 
technically forbidden, but doing it would utterly destroy the feeling of Shabbat. And I actually think that this might be something that we might find a lot of consensus on, more so than we suspect, because I don't think people are super committed to how can I make Shabbat as easy as possible? Mm -hmm. They're committed to how can I make Shabbat as meaningful as possible? And for a lot of people, the lack of cell phones and work email and being constantly on call and knowing that this is sort of left for Mm -hmm. the weekday is really powerful and not something I think that people would want to give up, even if you make the assumption, which I don't think it's fair to make, that people always want Shabbat to be easy. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So last question for you. Put put on your sci-fi hat. All righty. Um, what are some future developments in technology you foresee in five years, 10 years, 50 years, 200 years that might even, you know, raise a whole new set of questions? So some of this stuff we're almost already there at. Um, doorbells that recognize your face. Right. So that would be something really interesting on Shabbat, especially in places where you can't carry a key, having a door recognize you creates one problem but solves another problem. Further on in the future, we might be dealing with smart devices that attempt to anticipate what you want before you even um, say anything. So an uh, Alexa that knows that you walked in the house because you always come home at the same time and turns your favorite music on. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to teach the smart device, no, don't do that on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll learn from that, oh, I should play L'Chad Odi instead of whatever music you like during Mm -hmm. the week. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as as with all science fiction questions, this one kind of escalates to at what point might we want to be thinking about not smart assistants merely as things that recognize voices, but as objects with autonomy. If your smart device is sitting at the table with you because it's a robot and robots have achieved personhood, can you ask it questions on Shabbat? Can you say, hey, pass the salt? Or is that like a forbidden use of electricity? Right. How yeah. do we how do we work with yes, that? Love it. Yeah, my brilliant two-year-old daughter uh, is still trying to figure out where Alexa goes on Shabbat <laughs> when we unplug her. Where, where is she spending her time? But actually, one of the questions I think about in that regard is the, the moral question of can we be cruel to robots? Yes. Like, what does it mean to, you know, once they, if they engage some kind of personhood or, or, or we treat them in some way? Anyways, this was fascinating. Thanks so much for this time. Two more podcasts coming up later uh, this week um, from Dr. Liz.